Good morning, everybody. It is another Sunday morning, and we are coming to you live from Bay Area Church of Christ. It's great to have all of you here in attendance this morning. It's great to have you watching at home as well. Um, we're glad to be putting on this uh, service so that we can all be of one heart and one mind together as we worship our Father. Before we get started this morning, we've got some announcements that I'm going to share. Um, obviously, we are now having uh, some limited capacity coming here to the building. So if you're unaware of that and that's something that's interesting to you, uh, please check out the website and check out the instructions for that. Uh, there certainly are some social distancing protocols that we're keeping in place, but uh, we'd love to have you come and join us. There is a sign-up sheet that we'd ask you to sign up for uh, by at least Thursday at noon. But, um, but that is something that we'd love to see you join us here as well, as long as we've got the space. Um, we've got some things on our prayer list that we need to be mindful of this week. Um, we want to continue to be prayerful for our brother George Klein. Uh, he's got an appointment at the end of September here to follow up with some blood test results he received earlier this month. So we want to be some uh, strong prayer warriors for George. Uh, our brother Gary Lambrecht is a man with uh, just an enormous heart for God, and we all know that, but uh, his physical earthly heart is going to be going through some procedures this week, and we need to keep him in our prayers. Um, he's set up to have a TEE procedure to make sure his heart is structurally good for the placement of a watchman filter, which is also planned to take place this week. So let's, uh, let's be keeping him in our prayers as well. It's Gary Lambrecht. Uh, Charlene Ingram continues to recover at home from her surgery, and so we want to pray that she has a continued good recovery. Uh, and then our brother David Harkins continues to make improvements. In fact, uh, George Klein was able to see him a little bit this week. Uh, the reports are that he's still doing, uh, he's still very weak. He's still in, in a state of recovery, but he was able to have a nice conversation. Um, ultimately, they're trying to get him healthy enough to send him to be with family in Tennessee. So let's continue to keep David Harkins in our prayers, and, uh, and hopefully we can get him to a state where he can be uh, transported back up to his family there. Uh, got a message this morning from Melanie Hunter that a co-worker of hers named Armando uh, had an injury to his hand, a pretty severe injury and in an accident that uh, left him with some tendon and nerve damage. Uh, he was able to have kind of some surgery, which went well, but the recovery is going to take a while, and, and they're not sure exactly how well the surgery has gone yet. So if we can keep Armando in our prayers as well, um, he is in need of that. The church received a very nice thank you note from Tom Clendenning, which is uh, Zoe Lambrick's brother in Oregon, thanking us for the many prayers and cards that, uh, that they received uh, during the time that uh, they've been going through. Um, he wrote, your thoughts and prayers have made my recovery a little bit brighter. Thank you to all of you, and God bless you. Um, if you'd like to send him a card of encouragement, please call the office, and, uh, and Aloha can get you the address for that. As always, uh, this is really a truncated version. There's a lot more prayer requests and a lot more information that uh, is very important to the family. You can find that on vitalconcern.com. If you're not on Vital Concern, please reach out to the church office and we can make sure that you get on the email update list for that. Um, last night we had a great event here for the entire congregation and especially for the kids. We had a, uh, a drive-in movie that we did out here in the parking lot. Uh, it was a great success for those of you that were there. It was uh, a lot of fun had by everybody. We watched Mulan. Um, there's some more exciting stuff on deck for the Faith Lane kids. They're going to be continuing their Thursday night pajama parties via Zoom. Um, and then uh, for the last 10, for last week, 10 kiddos enjoyed time with Miss Angie, uh, spending time on Zoom, sharing in a story. They, they had hot cocoa last week. 
Um, this week, Thursday at 7 p.m., is going to be a holiday hullabaloo. So we're encouraging all the kids to join in the pajama party uh, with whatever their favorite holiday is uh, to, to decorate or to dress in, in the attire that is appropriate for that. If you have a kid that wants to be involved with that, it's a lot of fun. Uh, please reach out to the church office and to Angie to get the uh, ID and the password to join that Zoom call as well. Um, the youth group is going to be having uh, their same weekly events as well. They have class on Sundays and Wednesday evenings. And the teens and the parents of teens, be sure to check in with Robbie to see what's going on with the teens. And uh, Robbie's doing a lot of great work with our young folks. And if you've got some children that, uh, that fall into that area, uh, you really ought to be getting more plugged in and keeping them abreast of what Robbie is doing and the work that's going on with the youth group. Um, on the mission front, as we go into all the world, uh, as we fill up our activities and our busyness of the week, we should take a, some time to pause and remember uh, our missionary brothers and sisters across the globe, really. Um, the India group, uh, the Siwa, which is uh, Rajendra Prasad, and in Venezuela, uh, Barnabella Vilma, are feeding children and feeding families, um, quite literally feeding them and, and spiritually as well. Uh, and then Benito Ramon is ministering and teaching uh, in South America as well. All of these missions continue to reach and teach people really in the worst of circumstances. Um, and a lot of times they're able to do that only because of the help of churches like Bay Area that are reaching out and doing that. And in fact, I know that in India, we've recently uh, helped in our contribution to translate some additional studies that, are, that are, have never been translated into their language before, into that language before, that's helping to really grow and spread the word of God, which is exactly what we're here to do. So uh, encourage you to, to check in on that, keep abreast of what's happening there, and continue to help in those fronts as well. Um, if you're watching at home, please just take a moment to like and share this feed. Uh, you never know who out there is uh, surfing the web this morning in need of being right here with us and, and hearing what uh, we're, we're going to have to offer here as we study God's Word. This morning, we're going to sing some songs. We're going to transition into a period of worship. Um, we have a great treat this morning. Our, our youth minister, Robbie John, is going to be bringing us a message we're going to sing some songs. We're going to spend some time in prayer. Uh, and when we're finished with that, we are going to partake in communion together. Uh, so if you need to take a moment to prepare uh, your communion at home, please take that time right now. Um, we're going to take some time to just truly put aside the distractions of this world and focus on our Creator, focus on our Father, and spend some time together lifting Him up and praising Him. So as we prepare to do that, let's just take a moment and pause in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, you are good, and your love endures forever, and we are thankful that we can be called your children. Lord, we come here this morning just to make sure that we put everything else aside in this world, that we are of one heart and one mind, and we are focused on how good you are and how much you love us. Lord, that love was, that love was shown to us beyond all measure in the sacrifice of your Son, Christ. Lord, it is because of that sacrifice we are able to come before you and to ask all these things, and we ask that you will be with those members of this body who are hurting, who are in need of help, those members of the body across the world who are struggling during this time. Lord, we pray that you will be with all of us. Help us to remember that this world is not our home and that we have a greater reward that lies ahead with us in your presence. And it's because of the sacrifice of your son that we can come to you this morning. It's in his name we pray. Amen.
Good morning. Hope you're ready to sing. You're awake, ready to go. Uh, one little housekeeping thing, Carmela and Matt. We should have four songs before Robbie sings with The Battle Belongs to the Lord before he comes up. We pass, We skipped over that one this morning. Warm up. Um, if you're at home with us, I invite you to go ahead and uh, start from the beginning and, and, start, and sing with us. Uh, the sooner you start, the easier it is. And for those of you here in the auditorium, I know with the mask, it's, it's harder to get a breath. It takes a little more effort. And, uh, so hope, but hope that you're able to join in with us. Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I love to sing your praises. I'm so glad you're in my life. I'm so glad you came to save us. You came from heaven to earth to show the way from the earth to the cross, my debt to pay, from the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky, Lord, I lift your name on high, Lord, I lift your name on high, Lord, I love to see your praises, I'm so glad you're in Oh, 
Robbie's going to come and speak to us after we sing this one. We didn't practice this one, so we'll, but we know it. The battle belongs to the Lord. In heavenly armor we'll enter the land, the battle belongs to the Lord. No weapon that's fashioned against us will stand, the battle belongs to the Lord. And we sing glory, honor, power and strength to the Lord, and we sing Good morning. Let me pray. Dear Father, may the words of our mouths and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight as we seek to inspire others to follow you, as we seek to make your fame and your work known for our redemption. This we ask for Christ and we pray. Amen. Amen. About 23 years removed from my 18th birthday, I stand here. I don't really celebrate birthdays a whole lot, in a big way that is. The planning and the expecting has passed from me. Now, I've gotten some big surprises as far as birthdays from my church family and my home family. But it's not one of my pursuits 
personally. Now, I do accept gifts of cash, card, and kind, but I don't overly pursue the birthday. It all stems back to the arrival of my 18th birthday, and I had made plans with friends, um, plans to fulfill a great 18th birthday. Yet, plans fell short as people said that they could not make it and schedules changed to the point that I retired into the wilderness of zero pomp and circumstance as far as birthdays go. I believe in every heart, in every living room, and whether you're watching this from a car or driving somewhere right now, I believe that there are those like me who have conjured up the spirit of expectation only to be let down abruptly on the cold concrete of reality. To put it in less Shakespearean terms, it was messed up and it sucked and we did not like it. Whether it was a birthday, whether it was our school experience in terms of spending 40 thousand dollars in our education only to be working in another field that we did not train for or maybe it's the grandeur of a wedding whereas you're growing up you're reading these stories and these novels and maybe you caught sleepless in seattle with tom hanks so you had some expectations for your wedding and then you find out that he does not do sushi he has a different personality as opposed to you, and he doesn't think that every waking moment of his life is to please your whim and fancies. Maybe it is just 2020, a year that showed up uh, wherein everything that could go wrong did go wrong, and the year is not up as yet. And so as I went to Sam's Club the other day, early in September, I saw that there were reindeers out and Santa Claus, and they're saying, we are fed up with 2020. We want to skip Halloween and get to Christmas, because after Christmas, the new year is ushered in. The big letdown of expectation has been tasted by all who live in the flesh. And in many cases, it is not a good experience. But I want to tell you not of expectations in the flesh this morning, but to remind us of expectations that have a heavenly origin that is sealed and protected and driven by the power of heaven. And so Paul in Romans chapter 8 is going to help us think about this idea of expectations within our church, within our Christian life, to ask the question, after you've given all these years, and after you come Sunday and Wednesday, you ask the question, is this it? The expectation that God has for Christians, what I have lived, what I have experienced, is this it. And so, as we read from verses 18 to 25, this will serve as a nucleus for our sermon this morning. 
Romans chapter 8 from verse 18 to verse 25. Paul says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation wails with... No, uh, my eyesight is good, but it's not that good. Wait, sorry, here we go. Wait, I'm going to just do this right here. Waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. That the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been grown in together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait, we eagerly wait for adoption as sons, the redemption of even our bodies. For in this we hope, in this hope we are saved. The hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes for what he sees, but if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it in patience. Paul eloquently speaks of the Spirit of God who has given us adoption and hope. He speaks of our obligation to continue carrying this type of life, this swagger, and nestle into this big idea of godly rescue. Paul uses imagery of pregnancy and child pain births to illustrate the natural and obvious expectations anyone who is born of God should have. Paul says, I have considered, I have given it thought that there is nothing on this earth that you would go through that is able to be compared to the hope that is to be revealed in you. And you can insert pandemic in there. Talks about groaning. That done by creation. And this blows my mind to think, to understand that the world that God has created, inanimate objects, they are groaning to receive redemption. You see, when God created everything, he said that it was good. And then men sinned. And we were subject now to death. And the creation is degradating and is subjected to futility or decay to the point that there's loss of energy and mountains crumble and you know rivers dry up and the creation inanimate objects are saying we cannot wait for God to redeem us Paul says as I focus on creation and inanimate objects I want to remind you that this is specifically about you as well. Creatures of God who also should be groaning 
because of this hope that has been planted in us. And so there's a way that Christians who have been redeemed live. He says here that this expectation we wait for patiently. And the language here suggests that it is not a patience that you just sit and wait and do nothing. It is an eager patience where you cannot sit still. It is a wrestling patience filled with joy, filled with pain, filled with feeling and emotion that are in concert with each other. His imagery of a woman carrying a child, one who will be soon in labor. He says, we wait just like that patiently. How does a woman wait for a child, you may ask? How does she wait? She is fully committed emotionally and physically. It is not something that she chooses. Yes, I want, you know, birth pains, and yes, I want stress marks. It just comes with the territory. And because she knows of the hope of seeing that beautiful baby, she endures those things. Because she knows what's at the end. She waits. She goes through the process, the changes. Changes that changes herself and also those around her as well. Paul says we are to live in a way undaunted by trouble, undaunted by sorrow or even pandemics. Even if it modifies our lives, so to speak, like as we see here, we have a few persons here, a few persons online, we have been modified in a certain way, but we have not been stopped. And so as we think about this, I would like us to reevaluate our church experience. Is your church experience, is your Christian experience worthy of the definition found in Romans chapter 8? Are we pregnant yet? Do we look pregnant spiritually? Do we feel pregnant? Do we even know that we are carrying a hope? How can you not know that you are carrying a hope? How can you not know that you are pregnant? Would the average member say, yeah, I get goosebumps on Sunday night. I twist and I turn. I can't wait for Sunday morning. Would the average member say, yes, since I've met Christ, my life is fulfilled and my life is centered around my church experience, not the building, not the temple, and we're going to get to that. But living in the spiritual kingdom, this is where I get my feel. This is where I cannot sit still, where there's joy, where there's pain, but I'm engaged, and I love this, and I endure because I know what is to come, that hope that I will soon realize. The groaning, the wanting to get to that hope, the moving past suffering, the moving through suffering and still being able to smile, knowing who God is and who we are in the hands of God. I want to talk about two big ideas this morning and I will let you have the message concerning 
expectation. The expectation of words in the temples. If we are born again, and if we are living with that hope, and if we are groaning, and if we are trying to make transition because we know that what is before us, as Christ says, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, not complaining, but joyfully, but in community with the disciples, doing miracles and praying and being inspired and inspiring. That's how he went to the cross knowing what it would bring sons and daughters in the kingdom through his blood. If we have that expectation of hope, it's going to show in our conversations, our words we use in the temple, the church, and in the temple, our temples, how we talk about bodies of all colors. How do we speak about this temple. You know, after the, when the pandemic hit, people said, well, church is closed. And I found that to be so frustrating because you cannot close the church because the church is alive. The people, the lively stones that make up a holy habitation for the spirit to dwell in. So yes, you can go back to the building, but you could not go back to church because church never closed. And if it did, I think we have bigger problems. We are not going back to church. We're going back to the building. And it shows that if we don't have body life outside the walls of the building, if we don't worship every day, find ways to do stuff together, to listen to the sermons in community and in nature, then the building experience is all we have. The temple, temple business. And even in the temple business, we do it ritualistically. And so I don't want to drive 35 minutes to hear someone read to me what the Lord's Supper is. I want to know what it means to you. Have a testimony, have an interaction, have an experience with the Spirit. Because I could read Scripture at home. There's a reason why I drive an hour. There's a reason why I drive 35 minutes. Because I want fellowship. I want reminders that God is good and his grace extends even to me that I could be inspired. So when you go through the Lord's Supper, I want to know what it means to you and how it still inspires you and drives you. And connect that back to my experience. The singing. Same thing with the singing. I love the idea that we could change up and get people in and do this. Because it is important to speak about our faith, to sing about our faith. This is not regular temple business. It should not be regular temple business. How do we manage the temple? Is this it? Or is this just a way, a vehicle for us to express our oblation to God and seek fellowship with our Human counterparts. How do we speak about human temples? You know, I saw the other day um, some Christian folks, you know, was joking concerning memes about the Chinese flu. And I'm like, there are Chinese people in this country who have been looked at funny ways. Jokes have been made about them. You know, go back to where you're from. You brought this flu. And I'm like, is there a way that in the church 
that we wouldn't have to deal with those things where people coming in understand that they could be free to express themselves, that they could be free to get hope and healing. You can't make jokes like that. What about a black person who has had a rough time, you know, who has been profiled? Is there a space for them to come in here and feel like, well, they can express themselves and they can move with the church to get hope instead of saying, well, you know, we don't talk about that here. Because this is the church, and we do gospel stuff, and we love Jesus. But since when has Jesus not been interested in the human experience of people? Since when has Jesus only been interested in people who are brand spanking new and, and beautiful and perfect? He doesn't deal with people like that. He deals with the broken because we all are broken. And I'm asking, is the church a place where we can still have honest conversation? Where we know that on a day-to-day, these are how people live. There are people who are Hispanic, they go to, go to different places, you know, restaurants, you know, or um, uh, uh, groceries. And people look at them funny and say stupid stuff to them. Like, do you have your visa? Or are you here illegally? I mean, stupid stuff. Bodies, temples made in the image of God. That is their day-to-day. That is their day-to-day. And when they come in the church, whether they are homeless, well, why are you homeless? There's a lot of ways to be homeless. Maybe they might have gone for substance abuse, you know, or some mental health issue. Is there space for those bodies as well in our church? The temple and the temples. Would you ask your son, your daughter, your teenager, your wife, your husband, do you really enjoy church? Do you really get what you need from church? What would be the honest answer? And as you sit here and you listen to these words, what would be your honest answer? Could we talk about Christian duties versus political rights? Could we talk about being Jesus and saying, well, everything is lawful unto me, but everything is not wise. And so it blows my mind that people are still having debates about whether to wear a mask or not. I'm like, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus say? Your political rights or your Christian duty? I mean, last time I checked, Rome wasn't a friend of Christians. And so if people think that, you know, a Democrat party is going to bring Christianity back to America, or a Republican party, or a Tea Party, we are the ones that God has called to be reconcilers. From the world to the kingdom, not government and not politics. Now, don't get me wrong. You can vote and I can vote, and you can keep that private. But we have work to do in terms of the kingdom of God to rebuild the walls and reconcile the world to him through the gospel. That is what we offer. That is what has saved us. The expectation of words in the temple is unmistakable. If you are at church, you should be free to express yourself. And not just a surface, hey, how are you doing? I'm fine. No, you're not. And you need to have people that you can actually talk to for real, for real. Yes, I said that twice. Instead of just going through the motions, 
If Christ has died and we live in fear of death every day, living through a pandemic, why would I choose to live a life like that? Why would I choose to model a life like that for my kids, knowing that we all die? We don't want to talk about death. We don't want to talk about marriage. And so we have kids going into marriage because, you know, they think it's all pomp and circumstance, and they haven't got somebody, a mentor, telling them what marriage is like. It is what you make it. And if you make the spirit lead, you can succeed in it. For real, for real, people die. For real, for real. I'm going to pass away. My kids are going to pass away. And I want to make sure I drive them to that hope of a resurrection, a redeemed body that will last forever. And so you work. You take vacation. You do this, you do that. All those things fall flat to the ceiling. Because it's just busy work. It is just busy work. And I'm saying we need to put our Christian experience central. Not just ritual, but really experiencing with all our emotions like someone who is pregnant. Which brings me to my second point. The expectation of action through the temple. The expectation of action through the temple. Working in the community, getting together, Worshipping outside the walls of the temple. Showing signs that you are ready to go just like a kid on Christmas Eve. And the presents are there, they are unboxed. And the pajamas are so hot you cannot sleep. And you, you move all the time. This state that you are in is because of the hope of opening a brand new transformer. Or a brand new doll. Or having a brand new bike. You are perplexed. You are distressed bodily because of that hope that is coming in the morning. The cookies and cream. A woman in labor cannot be mistaken. Just as a church on the move cannot be mistaken. I spoke to a brother earlier last week and um, he said, what if we had like a a, a neighborhood garden. You know, I saw that on HGTV with my wife, and I think that'd be a good idea. I'm like, yeah, that'd be a good idea. Have people from, from the neighborhood coming, you know, and planting stuff, you know, and forming relationships and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, this is a great idea. Getting to our neighbors and just talking to Angie and getting into my house, and my kids are drinking hot cocoa on Thursday and they're doing this Zoom thing. I'm like, yes, you don't need the walls. God has given us creativity. The pizza boxes, thinking outside the box, doing things to make sure that we still have community, we still have connection. And so I got a call from a guy a few months ago saying, hey, um, we, we want to buy your youth group a van. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah. Um, we, we, it's been on my heart, and God has led me to this realization, and I'm sitting in a room with two gentlemen who's going to buy a van and fix it up. And I'm like, why would you do that? Why would they not if they are living in expectation, if they are bordered in their spirit, understanding that God is calling them into community to use their gifts, to use their talents, to use their material to advance the church. Spent some time with Gio the other day, building benches for our youth room. And then we had to do another project where we built this huge screen, this outside screen to have driving movies. That thing over there, Gio built that. 
and we talked and I got to know him a little bit. We weren't in the church, but we were the church, getting to know each other, you know, and getting to know his story. He's getting to know my story. Last night I saw our kids, you know, were frolicking as we watched Mulan. And it wasn't about Mulan so much. It was a great movie. But the fact that people of God gather and said, I'm going to intentionally get away to do this. And the kids and Liam is, you know, rolling in the grass and people are, are having conversations. And this is the Spirit of God on the nature sky getting together. And Al Calvillo, 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 Calvillo tells me that um, his office is always open. Just come whenever you want. If I'm not there, just come and do your stuff. Bring the kids over. Bring the youth over. Desh Bagley says the same thing to me. And I'm like, why are you guys doing this? Because we are pregnant. Because we have a hope that we want to realize and go into that hope, it makes us live a certain way. Yes, it's irrational. Yes, it is spontaneous. Yes, sometimes we look like we are crazy because we are addicted to Christ. We don't do things like the world. I don't want a normal life. I do not want a normal life because in Christ, there is no normal life. There is an abundant life. And it's about time we as a church stood up and said, this is us, where you can have conversation, where you can be yourself, where you can be validated, where we can move together knowing that this is the best life. It's not an option. It is not an option. Spiritually, are we pregnant? Do we have birth pains? Do we have stress marks? If we have such a living hope that will be brought to reality in us, tell me what does that look like? How do we know? How can the world know that we're expecting? I'm told that there is a limited amount of time that a woman could endure pregnant and not show it. I think from the first inception to four months, the four-month period. But the deeper you go into your pregnancy, the stomach begins to show and the symptoms increase. You will be changed emotionally and bodily. It will be painful, but you will live in the coming joy and you will endure it. I think we are living in many instances like we have miscarried. Apologies to all the ladies who've ever had a miscarriage. And as they deal with that memory, I don't see them walking around saying, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. But there are Christians walking around who have miscarried who've lost that hope. And the scariest thing is, it's not a big deal to them. If you have a spouse, if you have family, if you have kids, what kind of a Christian life are you modeling? Is it one of ritual where, you know, it's important, but it's not that important. You just check in whenever you can, and that's it. Education is important. Material is important. 
But you cannot take those things with you. I stood by my window and I almost cried two weeks ago because all my neighbor's stuff was on his lawn. What, 72 years old, strong guy, he was a painter. And we didn't know this. He died back in July. We didn't see him, and when we saw his wife, we asked what's going on, and he died really, really, really quickly of cancer. Can you imagine that? Painting for over 30 years. He painted our house before he bought it, 20 years ago. Painting, going to work, keeping a schedule, doing everything. And when you leave, I'm looking at all his stuff, his paint guns, his cans of paint on the lawn because she doesn't know what to do with it. And my other neighbor comes in and he goes through, he rummages and he picks what he wants. And I can't be mad with him, but I was just like, is this the end? Is this the best that I have to look forward to? I'm going to amass all this stuff and then I'm going to kick the bucket and then somebody's going to wear my clothes and take my stuff? Shows you what little value stuff has. Now, the stuff that we work for and we put so much time in, it shows you where it ends up. It doesn't get redeemed. And so, I'll leave you with this last picture. After the cravings, chocolate and you know, cranberry sauce or pickles or whatever, you know, after the swollen feet, after, you know, not knowing what's happening in your mind. I, I, I don't feel right. I don't feel right. Get away from me. I don't want to talk to you. Though. I'm pregnant. After all those things, this mother gets to hold hope. Gets to realize hope. And she didn't say, well, I don't want to go through it. Even through all the pain and suffering, she knows that that coming joy is going to outweigh the pain and the suffering. And Paul says to us as Christians, a pandemic shouldn't stop you. There's been pandemics ever since we've been on earth. And if it's not pandemics, it's people trying to stamp out Christians. He says it should make you stronger. It should drive your desire further into the arms and grace and preservation of God to the point that you know, I know what's coming. Ain't no way I'm going to give up. And ain't no way I'm going to live and represent this hope with a boring, ritualistic life where we can't even talk about what's going on truthfully with each other. Shed those barriers. Shed those boundaries. As you sit at the dinner table today at lunch, or go about your routine, I'd just like you to ask this question in these three words. Your Christian life, your Christian experience, is this it? <laughs> is that the best it can be? Be honest. Is this, what we're doing now, is this Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you for giving us your Holy Spirit. For giving us the opportunity to be reconcilers. For giving us the power of hope and expectation. And for giving us each other to remind 
each other, to lift each other, to move as a unit so that the world could see and say, yes, you were truly the Son of God. And God is still in the world caring for and redeeming men. For Christ, let me pray, amen. Thank you, Robbie, uh, for that message. Thank you for the passion that you delivered it with. As we sing this next song, as we transition in and prepare to, to share in the Lord's Supper together, I, I picked this song on purpose, uh, having known the, the topic that, that Robbie was going to talk about. It's an older song, but it's um, sing this song thinking about the words with the passion that Robbie just spoke to us about, about wanting to draw nearer. Uh, this is a song that's also a prayer. We'll sing this and then we'll share in the Lord's Supper.
Thank you, Robbie. I remind, we had the same ting in heart and mind as I prepared this. In the Gospel of John, in chapter 14, starting in verse 15, Jesus says, If you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you a counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Jesus lays the foundation of how the Holy Spirit will not only be with us, but after he leaves this earth, the Holy Spirit will be in us. I had never thought about the analogy of pregnancy before as it relates to me. <laughs> but if you are a Christian, there is one living in you. Verse 26 says, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all the things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. And in Acts chapters 1 and 2, we see this come to fruition through the vector of baptism. Each person who's baptized into Christ also has the gift of the Holy Spirit living inside of them. The Spirit unites us. When we take this communion, it should be special, for we are in the Spirit, and together as we commune, He is in us. I never get tired of sharing this time with my church family, my eternal family. I have a lot of family, but my eternal family, while it's probably much larger than my physical family, is much closer to me and my heart because we resonate the spirit within us together. I'm going to pray for both the bread and the fruit of the vine at this time, if you will. Father, thank you. Thank you for the unity of the spirit that comes through Christ. Thank you that Jesus willingly gave up his body to be broken, to be sacrificed, to be a sacrifice once and for all. Thank you for the blood that he shed for us, blood that has to be shed for the forgiveness of sins. You kept that mental image for your people through all time, that blood was needed. And not only did Christ sacrifice his body, he sacrificed his blood. He tells us he will share in this time with us again one day. And I eagerly look forward to that. 
It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Another thing that we tend to do that probably doesn't look a whole lot like it did in the early church. But we're still called to give to God. We're still called to sacrifice ourselves and our material wealth. We have a lot in this country. I pray that you examine your heart. I pray that you think about and plan for sacrifice and giving, not only of your wealth, your material wealth, but of the wealth of the things that you are talented with, that God has specifically given to you as an individual to grow his kingdom and share it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our riches. Not only the riches of our material, but Father, the riches of our health, the riches of the joy that we have as a body of believers together in you. and with great expectation, the riches of our heavenly kingdom yet to come. Father, I pray for the oversight of the things that we give and the men who are in charge of that, that they use our gifts to bless those that need it and that the kingdom will grow. Father, we just thank you from the bottom of our hearts for all that we have, including now time that we can gather together like this. Be with all of those in our body that are ill and cannot be here. Father, I pray your hand on this whole worldly pandemic. We eagerly await a time that that goes away. We pray in Christ's name, amen. Whether you've been able to be with us here physically this morning or have enjoyed uh, watching us uh, on, on the TV or on the live stream, it's, it's been good to be together. Hope you have a great week. 
I know about you, I'm, I'm about ready to tell somebody who asked me how I am that I'm pregnant. Okay? And it might be a way to share with them, uh, to get into to share in the message. We're going to sing the greatest commands, and then afterwards, uh, those of you that are here, if you recall, we'll just wait and we'll get instructions about dismissal. <laughs>